So what does the future of podcasting hold? Kind of weird. We're going to talk to Tom Webster on a podcast about podcasting. Check it out. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Tom Webster. He's a writer, speaker, and creator of the Brand Savant blog. He's also the Vice President of Strategy and Marketing for Edison Research. And today we are going to talk about his annual series of studies on podcasting, one of my favorite topics. So, Tom, thanks for joining me. Well, thanks. It's, uh, it's going to be a podcast about podcasts. <laughs> really pretty crazy. So tell me about the series, what the, the study, and uh, I guess a little bit of the methodology and why you do it and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's sprung out of a, a study that we've been doing since 1998 uh, called uh, The Infinite Dial, which is really it's developed into the gold standard in a lot of different uh, media measurements in terms of uh, how consumers behave when they're using various types of media. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of the, the study of the study of record for things like streaming audio, uh, you know, things like Pandora and Spotify and, uh, and a whole number of things. And, you know, this year we added things like the whole smart speaker category, like the uh, Amazon Echo and, right. and Google Home and things like that. Um, and we added podcasting to it back in 2006. And, you know, since then, it's, it's of course grown, but it, it's grown in some interesting ways. Uh, and the study itself is historically, uh, it's a, it's done really to the, the kind of gold standard methodology, uh, that, that you can do in market research. It's a telephone study, a random, completely random digital sample of Americans 12 plus, and it's, uh, it's half mobile, half landline. So we, we spend a lot on it to get it right. And, uh, so we're, you know, we're always thrilled to be able to, put out good results in podcasting and a number of other things. You know, I imagine back when you started in 2006, you know, half the trouble was finding somebody that knew what podcasting was. Yeah, and that's really about all we could measure in 2006 was, you know, have you ever heard of it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was, you know, and that was a small percentage of the population. And the percentage that were actually listening to it was uh, kind of unreportable from our standpoint. It, it, it really even took the second year for us to start even reporting a percentage. And even then it was so small that we didn't really break anything out of it. The sample was too small. We just said, here's the percent. But uh, it's, you know, it's today, you know, as you've read through the slides, it's uh, it's actually it's a fairly mainstream media mm-hmm. behavior now. Yeah. And from a, from a marketer standpoint, you know, I, it's no longer just kind of the cutting edge digital people. Pretty much everybody is putting it as a channel uh, that, that they have to be playing in. Um, you, you know, what was funny about Going back to, I started my podcast in 2005, and going back, uh, just reminiscing on that, um, it was a much harder to do than it is today, and yeah. b really hard for people to listen. I mean, you had to really want to listen to a podcast. You had to download something called a podcatcher, uh, listen to it on your your uh, laptop or your desktop, um, and I mean, we didn't have the smartphone penetration and all the apps and there wasn't the iTunes, even though the mm-hmm. iTunes store came along pretty quickly after that, they, they didn't make the podcasting app standard, you know, for many years. So, and, and in fact, I think what happened too was around, you know, 2005, it was kind of the next cool thing after blogging. Um, but then social media came along and kind of tanked it. 
Yeah, it, it's never it's never been the hot thing yeah. uh, until really just the past couple of years. It, yeah. it just kind of it poked along for a decade. Yeah, and you and your slides uh, definitely uh, uh, suggest that. I mean that that you kind of have a little bit of growth and then it hung around a certain level for like eight ten years and then boy the last two years it's really taken off, hasn't it? Yeah, it sure has. And I think there's a couple of major things you can point to. You know, number one, you can point to just how frictionless the technology is right. uh, compared to what it used to be. I mean, as you as you mentioned, to listen to a podcast before, you had to go through this kind of Rube Goldberg uh, <laughs> contraption setup. Uh, and you, you didn't even mention the fact that you would then uh, sideload, as it was called then. I love that word. Yeah. Sideload podcasts. There's something called an iPod, which is like a phone that doesn't make calls for you, which, younger iPhone. Well, users. actually, most teenagers can relate to that because they never use a, their iPhone to make calls either. So that's well, that's, <laughs> that's a very good point. Uh, so the friction, the friction uh, got removed, but that alone was not enough to make it grow. It was it was doomed, I think, to just be kind of a, a niche medium, uh, even with that. But what really helped accelerate its growth was content and investment, and that's really what we've seen. Uh, a lot of in the past two or three years. If there's one thing that's changed in the space over the past three years, it's been the amount of money poured into it from all directions. Um, and public media has led the way, certainly, and helped to legitimize the space, which has made advertisers perk up and want to know more about it. And so more is being spent on content and measurement and, and now where we are today. Yeah, I, I think the the entire media category, you know, really all of a sudden said, Hey, this is not only a channel. This might be for survival for some of our, our our content. You know, you look at some of the NPRs of the world that are you know, using it as significant distribution. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we work with NPR, and it has opened up a whole gigantic other audience for them. I think in early days there was, uh, you know, we wondered whether or not if we put NPR or other public media contest content. On a podcast, does it cannibalize the on-air right. listening? Right, um, and it turns out not to really. It, it turns out that it opens up a whole, uh, you know, specifically younger audience for a lot of this content, and that's really been the story with with podcasting. Is it, you know, funny thing about podcasting is it, the sweet spot demographically is is absolutely eighteen to thirty-four. It's yeah. huge, eighteen to thirty-four yeah. compared to the other demos, but it's also mostly spoken word content. And the audience for spoken word content in this country, you know, specifically things like talk radio, is much, much older. It's, you know, yeah, north of 50. Yeah. yeah. And, and is it sort of behavior that is driving that? I mean, uh, I think of the 20-somethings that I hang around with, and it's it's more that that's the device that they have, and that's where they want to consume everything. And so mm-hmm. they're not, not going to go find an FM radio. No, it, it's very device-driven. In fact... Uh, it's, you know, one of the, the stats we reported in the Infinite Dial, I think 21% of households report that they don't even have a radio in their house, and right. it's much higher, 18 to 34. Uh, you know, I know uh, our friend Mitch Joel talks a lot about the fact that there is no second screen or third screen. There's only the screen in front of you. Yeah. And th- there's no doubt that having, you know, ubiquitous, always-on broadband Wi-Fi and a supercomputer in your pocket has led to consumption of audio content in places and environment settings where it used to never be consumed. So the, the size of the pie is much, much larger than it used to be. And I hear people talking about This American Life and The Moth and shows like that that probably had never heard it until uh, till they found it on their podcasting device. Oh, absolutely. And I think, 
you know, the great thing about the medium now is uh, you, you've got a lot of experimentation, but it's experimentation that's being funded and supported, um, which is kind of exposing us all to new content forms. You know, yet you have a show like S-Town, which uh, is one of the most popular podcasts in the world right now. It took them three years to make S-Town. Uh, it's, and it's seven hours long, right? It's actually a short audio book in seven episodes. Uh, having that kind of yeah. investment of time and treasure is not something you could have even imagined three years ago. So you talked about the biggest growth area being 1834. What about um, in terms of content? Uh, is it a business-driven? Is it entertainment-driven? Or is it? are we just seeing it kind of the, across the board? Well, I think a lot of what you see, especially in the uh, the top 100, let's say, on the iTunes charts, which, you know, iTunes and the iOS podcast app are responsible for about 60% of the traffic. So, uh, you know, a slight majority of it, but not all of it. Uh, there's a definite lean to what you see in there. It's a lot of content. You know, public media dominates it. Uh, there's a lot of, I, you know, I, I guess you, I, I would casually sum it up as highbrow content, right? And that's still going to be the case for a while. There's still very significant leans uh, psychographically with podcast listeners. They tend to be more educated. They tend to have higher incomes, but that's descriptive and not the future. And, you know, the, the one thing I always tell people when I talk about podcasting is if you look at the top 100 uh, podcasts in the iTunes chart, and then you look at the top 100 rated TV shows uh, in Nielsen, they look nothing alike. And I'm not suggesting that they ever will, but one could look a little more like the other, and I think that's going to be the key to opening up even more success for the medium. I always like um, when I go through statistics and slides like that. It's fun to pull ones out that, that kind of jump out at you. And the, the number that surprised me was uh, 15% of the people you surveyed uh, claim to listen to 10-plus hours a week of programming. Yeah. Well, you know, there's another uh, there's another uh, product that we have, another study called Share of Year, which mm-hmm. is kind of a a, a giant online and offline diary of, of all forms of audio. And w- an interesting thing about podcast listeners is the average American listens to about four hours of audio per day. Uh, but the, pod- the podcast listener listens to about six hours of audio per day, 50% more audio than the average day. And, you know, some of that is that they just happen to love audio or they have, you know, more available time to do it in. But I think ultimately uh, the cap on podcasting is more the audience for spoken word programming in general than anything else, which is which does have a cap. It's not yeah. it's not a, a limitless field, you know. Yeah, I wonder how many of those ten plus hour people are on a a, a train or car commute for two hours <laughs> each way every day. Yeah, I mean that that plays a huge part of it, and yeah. I think there's still so much more to be done. I mean, our research shows that podcasting uh, has really penetrated the car pretty successfully. I mean, there's more. I would say that there are more podcasts being listened in cars than cars that are natively equipped to handle them, right? I mean, people are finding all yeah. kinds of ways to yeah. listen to podcasts yeah. in the car. Yeah, you can plug your phone in and whatnot. But yeah, that's that's interesting though because that's coming, of course. I mean, I, you know, everybody yep. will have a everyone will have a podcatcher in their car. So, uh, you know, what's that going to do? Well, I think the interesting thing, and, and I'm glad you brought this up, John, is that there there frontiers as yet unexplored here right. and. Uh, and, and there's a lot of room for different variety of forms. And, and what I can envision in the not very distant future, in fact, in the very, very near term, is being able to get into my car 
and having whatever my entertainment system is, whether it's sure. native to my dash or coming from my smartphone, to know that my commute is 26 minutes. Yeah. And, and for my podcasting client to assemble the perfect 26-minute commute. Maybe it starts with my local weather. Maybe it starts with a little bit of traffic. Yeah. Uh, you know, our, our, again, our clients at NPR have just come out with a 10-minute news podcast called Up First, yeah. um, which, again, is sort of innovating on, on the form a little bit. Maybe you stick that in there. So I think being able to, uh, you know, aggressively manage what you listen to on your commute and have more and more control over it is another key to, to real, you know, increasing consumer demand. Well, yeah, I think Alexa is actually trying to do that, or Amazon is trying to do that with Alexa, that, that you can get, you can sort of program it to curate, you know, what you want to hear you mm-hmm. know, as the, you know, hard-boiled eggs are, are, uh, are cooking or something. So... Do people tend to just go out there and find the content that they want to find, or is it more show loyalty? You know, I have my four shows that I always listen to, or or is it more I have this range of topics that I like to dive into and jump around? Yeah, I mean, there is still, I think, kind of discoverability issues in podcasting, but, you know, it's mostly driven by word of mouth. But, you know, if you think about your average day, right? How, how you spend your day or how I spend my day. There's only so many hours a day that I could actually listen to a podcast. Yeah. It's a very lean forward medium. Yeah. I can't listen to a podcast and work at the same time. Yeah. I can't, um, even, I can't run or walk or even because there's so many things you know, I want to consume. Yeah. I can't either. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I live in downtown Boston. I can't listen to any kind of spoken word content and run here or I will die. Right. By a car. <laughs> I think the secret weapon in podcasting right now is cross promotion. And that's mm. why there are so many public radio, public media podcasts in the top 100 because they have a heavy and active cross-promotion strategy. And it's why uh, S-Town premiered as high as it did because it was heavily cross-promoted by This American Life and Serial. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great point. I see some business people doing that on a maybe a much smaller scale, but uh, you know, creating kind of communities of podcasters to uh, promote each other. Um, so, yeah, this- go, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, there's no question that networks have a, a real value in discovery, but I do think uh, a lot of time is spent amongst podcasters talking about how to get their podcast discovered, mm-hmm. like how to pull people into discovering mm-hmm. their content. And frankly, there's not enough pushing. Uh, and, and what, you know, uh, large podcasters like NPR and Chicago Public Media and, and WNYC and things like that are proving is that, you know, pushing helps and promoting outside of our own airwaves or pod waves is really the key to growth. Hey, thanks for listening to the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. If you like this one, you might also like my other podcast, The Consulting Spark, where I interview independent marketing consultants and agency owners talk about how they built their business and the struggles they face and what they love about being in this business. So you can check it out at ducttapemarketingconsultant.com. So... You, you probably just, my next question you probably just sort of answered, <laughs> but um, from the from the all the data, um, I'll ask you kind of two questions, and I'll I'll come back and remind you the second one if you get going too far. But what can brands learn from this study, and then what can podcasters learn from this study? Sure, well, I think what brands can learn from this study is that there is a significant portion of the American buying public that is increasingly difficult to reach with traditional advertising. Right. And one of the things that podcast listeners have in common, they, uh, they're heavy listeners of online radio like Pandora and Spotify, which are 
either commercial-free or very light on commercials. Mm-hmm. They listen to podcasts, which are very light or have no commercials. Uh, over half of them subscribe to Netflix, which has no commercials. And if you think about all of these hours, that this particular demographic of people who are affluent, educated, and heavy buyers are spending with media that does not have traditional advertising, it presents kind of a crisis for brands. So and a lot of times when I talk to brands who say, you know, who say, you know, prove, prove to me that podcasting is, is worth it or not worth it, my response back to them is, you know, how are you going to reach me? Yeah. How are you going to reach me? And it, because your options to do so are increasingly limited. Yeah. Um, and then as far as what podcasters can learn, I do think that uh, there's still a lot of innovation in content that can be done. And what got them here is not going to get them there. I, I think if you if you have spent your podcasting career trying to optimize for the iTunes charts, uh, <laughs> in some ways you've created a self-fulfilling prophecy. I, I think there is plenty of room out there to uh, to have even more mainstream content. Right? I mean, there's you know there's a lot of uh, there are a kind of mystery programming and you know mysteries and things like that in, in podcasting, but it's not exactly CSI or Law and Order that kind of stuff, right? There's plenty of mainstream content that can be done. Uh, and I think also there's not, as I mentioned before, there's not a lot that's been done in the format to educate the public, the mainstream public, on what a podcast is and why you'd even bother. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of the, the media, you know, is doing more and more of that. But you're right. Um, there, there are some assumptions that people, the people that get it, you know, get it. And they, you know, all you have to do is mention we have a podcast. Yeah, and that's not always the case. And I, I know a lot of the podcasters I talk to are, are kind of incredulous when I tell them this, but I do a lot of research in a lot of fields. And I do a bunch of focus groups. I'm sure you've sat in the back rooms of some of them yourself, John. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to and mentioned the word to. And I've either been told, I don't know what that is, or I've been told, oh, podcasts, I can't listen to those because I don't have an iPhone. <laughs> I, I mean, I hear those Sure, sure, things. sure. Absolutely. And... You know, and when I tell that to other podcasters, they're like, get out of town. Yep. Uh, but but they don't get out of their bubbles very much. Yep. So, you know, getting out of your bubble is a very key insight, yeah, I think. Absolutely. So, Tom, where can people find more on, um, you know, we've been just very, very high level on this. Where can people find yep. more about this study and about the work that you're doing? Sure. Well, uh, our main website is edisonresearch.com. Um, and there you can find the podcast Consumer 2017 and the Infinite Dial 2017. Um, and a little bit on uh, actually the thing that we're best known for is we're the sole providers of the exit polls during American mm-hmm. election <laughs> primaries and things. We've done that since 2003. Uh, I love telling people that when I speak, I get questions, yeah. <laughs> um, as you might imagine. Uh, and so there's information on that there as well. And uh, and I'm on the Twitter at Webby2001. All right. Awesome. Well, Tom, thanks so much for joining me. Hopefully you're, it's pouring down rain in Kansas City, Missouri today, and I suspect we sent some of it all the way to Boston. It's been raining here so long. You have indeed, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not been pleasant. Well, take care. Thanks again for joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll run into you out there on the road soon. Thanks, Tom. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. I wonder if you could do me a favor. Could you leave an honest review on iTunes? Your ratings and reviews really help, and I promise I read each and every one. Thanks.
This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.